So as I read through the Gospels, I see Jesus in the business of constantly giving people a fresh start on life. So physical or spiritual ailments that have defined their existence no longer have power over them after Jesus has healed them. Their minds are transformed. Their bodies are made new. And it would seem that the very identity that they have changes. And along with that, their hope for life. So it would seem that, that the writers of the New Testament are bent on telling a story of what happens when, when Emmanuel shows up on the scene, when, when God is with us. And so in the scripture that we looked at this morning, Jesus encounters, I think, one of the most extreme examples that you're going to find in the Gospels of someone who is tormented, not just with a physical infirmity in need of healing, but, but what Mark calls dark forces, even demonic forces. So these forces so control his spirit, he has isolated himself among the tombs, away from community. He is supernaturally strong and threatening, not just to others, but also to himself. His torment is so great, he howls in pain. And as Jesus approaches, he calls Jesus by name. And then he's, he's heard of Jesus, and he uses Jesus' full title to address him. He says, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? And you don't know if that's the man that's speaking or if that's the demons who are speaking. Is the man begging for release or are the, the demons speaking to Jesus and mocking him, right? And then Jesus asked him a question. He asked him, what is your name? You know, to our ears, this sounds like just an innocuous question, but first century listeners, on the other hand, they would have recognized something deeper going on because all throughout scripture, names have meaning. And so to ask someone their name is the same of asking them, who are you really? What is your story? Where do you come from? And even more importantly, what is your destiny? And so we see in the Old Testament when patriarchs like, like Jacob have, have names given to them, his name means the one who supplants. And there's a story in Genesis where Jacob is taking Esau's place by tricking him out of his birthright and moving on from that second son position to the first son position where he receives his father's blessing. Moses means the one who was drawn out. And there's a story in Genesis of Moses being taken out of the water and raised in, in Pharaoh's household by Pharaoh's daughter. And Moses is also drawn out by God to become the deliverer of God's people. Names mean something in the Bible. So what is your name? Who are you really? And at this moment, all that this tormented man who lives in the tombs can say, he says, legion, for we are many. And as I read this, my heart breaks because in 30 years of ministry, I have met so many whose pain and woundedness, whose bitterness and anger were so great that it, it became the only lens through which they could see their lives. The names that we wear have power. The words that we use that shape our understanding of ourselves and others matter. And as I read this passage, I can't help but think of all the people over the years that Susan and I have ministered to who wore and claimed different names for their lives. 
And in their most honest moments, people will tell you who they are because they long to experience freedom. And if they can identify what's holding them back, then a door opens to claim what might be able to set them free. And so in 30 years of ministry, I have heard people use language and words like these. They will tell you that they are steeped in fear or anger or bitterness. They will tell you that every day they feel the pressure of stress, anxiety, or feelings of an inadequacy. They will tell you that they can never escape the weight of, of expectation and judgment and uncertainty. And they talk about how they always are anticipating when the other shoe is going to drop, or they talk about feeling like they're projecting a persona of who they are, but they don't know how they can continue to sustain it, and then they fear being found out. In fact, sometimes it's, it's more than just one of these experiences that, that people are having. Sometimes it's, it's all of these forces that are arrayed against them, so much so that you might even say that they are legion as they come against a person's, uh, against a person's well-being. And so that is my window into this otherworldly passage that Mark is telling us about in the life and ministry of Jesus. And so what if we could get a new name? What if we could get a better name? What if we could get a good name? My father passed away two years ago this past Friday, and at his funeral, one of the ministers said, John Hutchins has left his family a good name. And it's true, he did. And I don't even know if I can fully work out what all that means, but my sense of it is, is that it has something to do with, with dads being an honorable person, a compassionate person, a peaceable person, being a leader, being someone throughout his entire life, someone who stayed true to his values. And I have this picture in my office that not a day goes by of, of my dad uh, in, in just a, a portrait of, of him in a suit when he was in a leadership position in New Orleans. And not a day goes by where I don't think about the legacy that he left to his family and how we as parents, Susan and I, leave that legacy on for our kids. And so when scripture, when someone goes through a significant transformation, they sometimes will be given a new name. So Abram becomes Abraham when he's given the promise that he's going to become a father of many nations. Jacob is given the name Israel, which means to wrestle or contend with after his wrestling match with God in Genesis 32. And then in Isaiah, the passage that Jerry read this morning, this is the promise that God makes to the Israelites that with their salvation, with God will come a new name that the Lord will give them. And carrying with that new name all of the possibilities of what having a, a new identity and being a new creation will be under the lordship of God. And that's what Jesus does with this man at the tombs. And that's why this story is in Mark's gospel. Our God 
is a God of fresh starts and transformed identities. Our God is a God of empowerment and hope. Our God is a God who loves heart change and celebrates when someone lays down a spirit of oppression and chooses instead a spirit of life. And the story of Jesus' encounter with this man in the tomb, it ends with Mark telling that those nearby townspeople who feared him and who isolated him went out and find him And after Jesus had healed him, that he was seated. And this is what Mark says. And I love this phrase. It says that he was there seated in his right mind. So our family went on vacation um, to the beach a couple of weeks ago. There's a good picture of Neil and I boogie boarding right there. And so when we counted it all up with all that's gone on with our family, when we started caring for my dad, who was having some health issues about three years ago, and then moving to Nashville, and then moving my mom up from New Orleans, and then just going, jumping into life and work here in Nashville, we counted that it had been three years since our family had gone on a vacation. And so we were long overdue, and we knew it, and everybody on staff knew it was time for Jay to get away. So I found this function on my phone. Um, I'm going to highly recommend that you find it on yours. And it allows me to filter out all emails and phone calls from anyone who is not immediate family. I will show you how to do this. And so I would leave that on the setting during the day uh, when we were at the beach. And I told Susan that it was really about Thursday when I was able to get kind of all that clamor, and I call this monkey chatter. Some of you guys know what monkey chatter is. It's the voice in your mind that just constantly going on, figuring stuff out. That did not stop until about Thursday on vacation. And so what illustrated what this illustrated to me is how easy it is for us to allow stress and noise and busyness to become just normal everyday parts of our lives until we until we go to the beach or we go to the mountains or just take a day off and we get a glimpse of something else. And maybe we get a sense of what we're like when we are in our right minds when we give ourselves some room for our minds to just be in a place where they are clear, where our minds are clear. In fact, when I think of all the versions of myself, I think I like the beach vacation version the best, honestly. You may have a best version of yourself that you like. So when I think about the name, the legacy, the experience of life that I want to pass down to my kids, it's the relaxed, calm, joyful, fully present version of myself that they get when we do things like go on vacation. So now that we're back and and now that we're in our right minds, right? Once again, there's some things that we we talked about as we were on the drive home um, from vacation as a family, words that that describe the the lifestyle that we want to lay down and also words that describe the lifestyle that that we want to pick up now, now that we've come back and we are in our right minds, right? We want a new name. And because we know all too well the legion of busyness and anxiety and stress and lack of peace and the lack of calm that always accompanies those things. So playing playing around with our story this morning, if you were to ask the question, who are you? 
we would answer that question with a different set of words that, that would point to the life that Susan and I feel that we've been called by God to have. And so here are some words that I think would describe for us that I want to invite you this morning to make your own list of words that would describe a new name for you. So that's how I want to move with this passage. So if you were to ask any member of our family how we would like to be known, they would likely say the very first quality that they would like to be known by is the quality of joy. And for us, joy is what we experience when we are together and present to one another. Joy is last night as Susan and Neely were making pecan pie squares for Father's Day today. And I'm really excited by that, by the way. So I hope that congregational meeting goes short. Joy was playing pirate golf on vacation and Susan getting a hole-in-one on the very last hole. That was joy for her. It was misery for the rest of us. Joy was Neely and her friend and I spending hours in the ocean boogie boarding and then trying to identify the wave that would be the wave that would take us to the shore. That was joy. Joy was not letting any other thought intrude on the place where we were at or the people who we were with at the moment, but engaging the people and place fully. That was joy. And that's one of the words we would say. If you ask, who are you? We are joy. Another powerful world, word that I think I would use to describe that we want our family to be is faithful. And I know I'm supposed to say that because I'm a minister, right? But I was caught off guard when we were traveling to the beach a couple of Sundays ago, and we started talking about church and faith and, and worship. And I timed it because it was like Sunday school in the car. And, and, and it was about 30 minutes you know, of this conversation that Neely and her friend from school that she had brought with us um, engaged Susan on me and some things that they wanted to talk about, about how we think about God and how we think about worship and, and how this all reflects on, on who God is in our, in our lives. And, and, and here's the funny thing, and I don't mean like, they had opinions about stuff, Neely and her friend do. And, and really, to be honest with you, not only did they have opinions, they had some really well thought out opinions. And so it was easier in that non-churchy setting for Susan and me to do more listening than pontificating, right? And we discovered that responding to God was something that they wanted to do. And they were just looking for a safe place to, to test out some of their ideas about that and some of the best ways to do that. And I've gone back and forth about what I think the third word would be that would, would if you were to ask us, well, who are you and, and what are you about? And, 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 and that word might change still. But if you were to ask our family, how is it that we wanted to be known? The word that stands out right now for us is restful. So since my dad's passing in New Orleans a couple of years ago, it's been a long and very fast season of life. We have changed cities, changed homes, changed jobs, changed schools, changed churches, changed friends. And rest for us means paying attention to the temperature around us as the friction of all of that change begins to rise. And so sometimes we feel swept along. We, we feel like we're creatures. I don't know if you guys feel this way, but we feel like we're creatures of our calendar. It's like we're just following the calendar, just following the calendar this week. But sometimes we, we get to choose. And, and when we do, 
The question is, are we choosing to add more things just to the schedule that we have to do, or, or are we choosing presence with one another and being fully present to God and, and the peace and joy and faithfulness that follow? Restfulness arises when we take our family temperature and then become intentional about breathing and then exhaling the things that bring us peace. So what is your name? What are your words? If you were to attach a name to the spirit that you want to bring to your family or your friends or to your, or your, to your church, what would that name be? If somebody would ask you, who are you? And I find, I have to be honest, I find that just honestly, just talking about this out loud and, and sharing it with you helps me to, to focus on the atmosphere that Susan and I want to experience in our home. There is something powerful about accountability, isn't there? Because next time I start complaining about being stressed out, I know a couple of you will come back up. And you remember that sermon you preached about being stressed, right? I find that just sharing this out loud helps. Just speaking them, identifying them, grants a little power against the forces at work in the background that rob us of our joy and our faithfulness and our rest. And as a father, I know that I am not powerless. I worship a God who loves to do a new thing. And I believe that God has placed me in a strategic position by God's grace to speak life and wholeness and love into the lives of Susan and Will and Neely. And it occurs to me that the words we would speak to our families would also be the words we would share with our church. And as I think about the experience that I want for people to have when they walk through the doors of our church on a Sunday morning, the words that I would use aren't too far away from the words I would use for my own family, joy and faithfulness and rest. So, so who are us? Who are we, Woodmont? Who are you? We are joy, we are faithfulness, and we are rest for those who are seeking the presence of God in their lives. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we are thankful for your presence here this morning and, and for the way that your spirit moves through music and through scripture and prayer and encouragement, God, to bring healing to our spirits. We thank you for a place where we can know that we are not alone, but we have friends, brothers, and sisters who are holding us accountable to the things that you are calling out of our lives. And we thank you for a community where we can, where we can experience unbounded grace. And so our prayer this morning, God, is that for all of those ideals you have placed in front of us that we want for our families, for ourselves to experience you and that transformed life. We pray, God, that, um, that we would hear your voice and we would find your peace and move into a place, God, where every single day we can experience your rest, we pray. In Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen.